Welcome to the School of the Word. This is Lesson 44 in our teaching series, As in the Days of Noah, titled The Seven Churches, Part 4. Our teacher is Alan Smith. So as we begin the teaching uh, today on As in the Days uh, of Noah, let's look at it as I, as I move on quickly uh, through this. I have a more uh, material to, to, for us to consider um, and we're looking at the seven churches in the book of Revelation in light of what do the churches, what's our problems in these days that we're now living in? These seven churches had uh, 2022 in mind as the Holy Spirit gave this information. And so when we look at the uh, how do we act in these times, in these days, as in the days of Noah, what is expected of us? Uh, to know, and as we look at the the book of Revelation, uh, a lot of people I know want to they say, "Well, it's too hard to understand." I encourage you to spend um, not to allow that thought to shut you down. Uh, I mean, you didn't understand salvation until the Holy Spirit revealed it to you, right? So, just because we don't understand doesn't mean we don't jump in there. Because this is one book that the Holy Spirit says, I want you to know this. Jesus says, I want you to know what's happening in this book. So we'll hit in just a little bit of stuff about these seven churches as examples of how the church life is to be in 2022. So as we begin here, of course, this whole understanding is based off of the concept of Christendom versus Christianity, Christendom being the world of Christianity. There's a lot of people under the banner of Christianity that are not born again, that are not really members of the kingdom of God, even though they, you know, it, it's funny to me how, I mean, why would Satan go to so much trouble to duplicate the plan of God? And I got to think, but if you think about it for a moment, I mean, Satan is a little bit of a disadvantage. He, uh, he can't create anything. He can only duplicate things. And so and I get to think, well, that's true. He, he can't create, but he can duplicate and then corrupt. That's his game. That's his goal is to duplicate and corrupt. So there lies the word Christendom. So he has infiltrated Christianity with a world called Christendom. And, and that is also the world that the Antichrist, the reason it's important, he will use Christendom to set up rule and reign. and So therefore, we've seen all of these things we've talked about in a few months prior about uh, the, uh, the Great Reset, the, uh, what happened at Mount Sinai here a few weeks ago, uh, about uh, the Pope, what he did there, uh, and then they're trying to organize all the religions of the world to come under one world uh, religion. That should not be news to students of the Bible. We understand that that's what's going to happen. Now, the slippery slope, though, is to be careful on how we think when we say, make that statement, we kind of think, well, that's not going to touch me. Uh, and, but that's the slippery slope. Uh, this thing that the enemy's doing on the dark side of, of incorporating or duplicating of what God has the slippery slope here is what he's after is to infiltrate us in layers and ways that we don't, uh, so we'll accept the darkness, right? 
Now, now there's there here. So you say, Alan, how can I combat? How can I not be infiltrated? There's not but one way of infiltration into any individual, and it's through the doorway called sin. All right. Now, now I want you to see sin from a little different angle this morning. Sin is a doorway in which the enemy can infiltrate uh, who you are in the faith, uh, your spirit and your soul. He infiltrates through sin. That's his door. That's his opening. And here's what we'll do. Uh, it's amazing. It we'll somehow in our brains uh, can come up with these incredible ideas on how we can make our personal sin acceptable, even though everybody else's isn't. Right? It's the truth. Well, we, we can make our personal sin acceptable to us. Uh, and, and the one that's been deceived is our we've deceived ourselves. Because just understand, sin is the avenue in which the enemy will infiltrate you and cause you to take a form of Christendom and not live out the life of a true Christian. Are, are you with me? So there's a reason sin... Uh, sin is a doorway. It's a spiritual doorway. We're looking for portals into heaven, right? And I am. Uh, they're real and they're there. But there's also doorways into your soul. And the doorway is called sin. God didn't want us to sin just so we don't hurt his feelings. <laughs> he doesn't want us to sin because he knows it's the pathway of the dark side. He says, shut the door. You know, shut that door. We shut the door to sin. We opened the door to Christ. Now, there, here's what we got to understand, though, in, the, in this battle is uh, in our lives, there's doors. And that's openings into the spirit, into your soul. There's doorways. And those doorways always will have a knock. They'll have a knock. And what we want to be able to start learning, is it, has anybody ever watched, uh, oh, what's the name of that thing? Um, Big Bang. The Big Bang. You're going to say, Alan, how are you going to make that biblical? Hang in there with me. You, you ever seen, uh, what's the guy I always say, he reminds me of Trevor? Uh, Sheldon. Yeah. Sheldon, he'd always go up to the door and say, Penny, Penny, Penny. Okay, you know that he has a certain knock. She knows who it is. Now, I use that as a little example, but I'm very serious about this. The Lord has a certain knock. He does. The enemy has a knock. Now, I'll tell you how it is in my personal life. The Lord's knock's, knock is faster than the enemy's. The enemy's is slow and sly and slick. Now, the Lord does have a still small voice, but his knock is loud. Can you hear me? Now, so we're watching this doorway. How do these things happen? And as you'll see in the scripture, how do these churches grow into this Christendom form of godliness, but, but denying the power thereof? And that's one reason I would love even in our church, New Life here, and all the churches that we're affiliated with and that we know, uh, uh, a lot of people say, well, Alan, we, you're, you're into the power of God too much, miracles, signs, and wonders. He, you're into all of that too much. And I, I'm like, but you don't understand. 
We need to have a touch of the power of God to know that we're in, we're not in Christendom, but we're in the church. It's important. It's important that we don't have just a form of godliness. It's so important. It's important that we've got at least a measure of Christ, which is always supernatural. Jesus is not normal. You cannot normalize him. And so one of the reasons why do we go for a supernatural atmosphere is so that we can sit here and say, this is not Christendom. This is New Testament Christianity. So therefore, we find these seven churches as we approach them here today. And, and, the, and Jesus says, okay, uh, you've done some good things. But I got a little something that you need against you that you need to look at. And I got a feeling that these things that they need to look at are things that are stopping the witness because it's a te- at the end of the seven churches, uh, he, see, he says, I stand at the door and I knock. He also says that we overcome the enemy by what? Blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And we love not our life unto death. So it's the blood of the Lamb and it's the word of our testimony. Well, what in the world is the word of your testimony? It's this supernatural stuff I'm talking about. From God and His presence that distinguishes us as being Christians and not just a form of Christianity. The word of the testimony. It's a testimony is a test that proves the witness of Christ in your midst. That's what a testimony is. When you stand up, if you give a testimony of how great you are, I got a feeling that's not the one we're looking for. (laughs) I don't know if it's going to be much power on that one. But when we stand up and give a testimony of the supernatural, you know, when somebody steps up and, they, and they're, they're, they're bringing a proclamation to the supernaturalness of what God just did in their life, we call it a testimony. Nobody even wonders if it's not something supernatural, right? Now, you might be set back a little when somebody steps up to brag on themselves, but we all know what we're looking at when that happens, right? I mean, just let them talk and it'll pass, right? It'll pass. But a true testimony is a testimony of the supernaturalness of God, and that gives us a witness of God in our midst. So why is new life a little bent on the supernatural, on power? Now, we're not into fake. We're in for real. If we got to wait 20 years on one, we will wait. But I got a feeling God's doing more than just one. And so... What happens with these seven churches, they've got to align themselves with Christ, number one, so that they can see that Christ is in their midst. They got a testimony. I don't have to wonder. It's been tested, and there's the money, right? Of Christ and God in our midst. Now, if you start thinking about in your own life this past week, there should be personal testimony starts kind of jumping out at you. Well, you know, God intervened here and, and God spoke this to me and we got more testimonies in our lives than we think 
of that supernaturalness of God. And here's what you need to understand. When that happens, when that happens, God's just not trying to make you feel happy. Even though a lot of times it'll make you feel happy. A few times it might make you sad. But either way, it's a testimony unto the blood of Christ in your life is operating. I believe that the church of Jesus Christ in these days, one of our great lands to rediscover, if you will, or to embrace is to start being more conscientious of when the supernatural hand of God is in our life. Uh, Trevor and I have talked about prayer in times past. And Trevor said to me, he's gotten a little discouraged, a little sad at times. And he, Trevor, I don't know if you notice, he pulls out a card. Trust me, if you make his card, you're prayed for. Now, it might be a little hard to make his card. But if you make his card, you're prayed for. But he, he but in our discussion, he said, but he'd go down through his prayer list and he said, well, you know, this one's, yeah, that one happened, that one happened. That. By the time he gets down his checklist, he's encouraged because he can check off all the many things God's done in, in his prayer. But even though he gets lost just in the prayer and not necessarily taking inventory, oh, I can check that one off. She's done. Say, Am I going anywhere with this? And so as we see this in these days to combat the days and the times that we're in, we must be more aware, hopefully journaling weekly, the testimonies that you have of God invading your personal life. Very, very important. If we don't do that, we're always looking, it's kind of like taking drugs, we're looking for the next hit from God to be bigger than the last. Come on. Well, God's going to have to do a little bigger, I won't even remember it. Now, come on. You know what I'm talking about. It's just the way the human mind works. I, I don't know why we're that way, but I'm just reminding you of something you already know. Basically, that's all I really do up here is remind you what you already know. And then the Holy Ghost brings, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. So I'm reminding you this morning that these testimonies are going to be important. Not only are they important, they're going to be one of our chief weapons of moving forward as, as a church. I see Stanley Elliott sitting back there. I wouldn't give you two plug nickels for him about three months ago, two months ago. He's in the hospital, and I said, well, Stanley's not coming out of here, but he's sitting back there right now. Well, what, how did that happen? I promise you it's a miracle because I wouldn't have, if you run him through the sale, he wouldn't got a bid. <laughs> he, he wouldn't got a bid. So God entered, God changed things. God did something. And that's a testimony. So church, we've got a lot of testimonies going on. And we've got to, our spiritual memories have got to be shaken and realize the value of us going forth of these testimonies. And now I'm going to go into this next thing of why are these testimonies important? How are they used in warfare? When you are in a battle right now, you bring up a testimony of what God did yesterday. You're in a battle right now. You remind the enemy of this testimony. You bring them up. Our testimonies and our own minds and hearts and our journals should be so fresh that they will overpower and overshadow 
the voice of the enemy. Your testimony is Holy Ghost imparted and inspired. So you want to come against the enemy in your own personal life and these demons that want to speak to you. These demons will get loud if you don't bring up the testimony. You're overcoming by what? The blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. Well, how can you do the testimony if you don't even remember it? We're wanting to plead blood. And we're leaving out the other half. The blood was applied when God created the testimony in your life. Now God's saying, okay, next crisis. Use last testimony. I'm, I'm really, do y'all get this? This is very, very important. If we're going to move forward and to, ble to plead the blood of Christ over everything is okay. But our instruction to the churches is he's fully overcome by the power of the testimony. I mean, the reason God did the feast in the Old Testament was so they could sit around and be reminded of what God did. Sole purpose of the feast, to remind the people of God was in their midst. And so your testimony is your rhema scripture to your life and heart to bring up to the enemy. First time that ever happened. I just had a quartz of heaven vision right there. Now, where'd that come from? No, I ain't saying to men. I'm just saying there it was. <laughs> First time that one's ever happened to me. Uh, I'm not saying what I'm going to do with it yet. There it was. I guess I better pull back and get on with it here. But it's so important that we journal weekly in building uh, our history of these testimonies of God in, my, in our midst. And I promise you, now listen, that one's going to be hard to break our bad habits on. You can leave from here and say, yeah, that's a great idea, not do nothing about it. I'm telling you from the Lord, it's important in your stability of a Christian life moving forward in 2023 that you stabilize the workings of Christ in your life because that is what you will use against the wiles of the devil, the enemy. You will put in his face not only the word of God, but the raiment word to your life. That's what. And I guess that is a type of a court case, if you will. To put up, God did this for me already. God's done this for me. Yeah, I may be in a mess right now, but let me say something here. God did this on, on November the 15th. God did this on November the 6th. God didn't look back at you. Church, we got to write it down. You'll discover that your life will fill a book with the workings of God. And after this word this morning, it's important and it's, it's okay. Well, go ahead and start today. What ones you remember in the past, put a pretty close date to them. Just get, get going in it because we're going to need it to stay healthy spiritually. That was a long introduction. Christendom versus Christianity. So this is what is happening here. 
We need to understand the deception and the difference in the seven churches in the book of Revelation. Why the seven churches? So, because it applies to us today on how we are to act and react. Now, we see here that John on the Isle of Patmos had this vision. This is a little picture depicting it. And there was Christ, uh, glory on his head. Now, you see in his, in his right hand, uh, left on the screen, see the seven stars there, right? See the can seven uh, candlesticks. Seven stars represents the seven uh, angels in the seven churches. The candlesticks are the uh, seven churches. Now, that was the vision that he has in Revelation 1, verses 10 through, I think it was 18. This is a vision John has on the Isle of Patmos that there, uh, there Jesus. Can you imagine sitting there in that cave wherever he was, and all of a sudden he has this open vision? And, and then that's what he saw. Incredible. Each letter is addressed to an angel of the church. I, that's where we finished up last week. Each letter, each message, if you will, is, is uh, given to an angel, one of those stars to take to one of the lampstands, which is, uh, was the church. And it was here that I introduced you to this idea that there's an angel assigned over every church that God has established. Are there angels over this church? Yes, there are. Uh, do I think, do I know that there's one? I do. I mentioned this uh, last week. And I said there's a certain person that goes to church here told me that he would always see this angel in this corner over here. And and I 90% believe the guy. Yeah, you too, huh? And, and you know, if you had, you know, you have to trust, you have to trust people. You trust the Holy Ghost in somebody, Right? That's, that's how that's how we do it. You trust you trust people. I had uh, Rick. Uh, yes. Mm hmm. Amen. Okay. All right. I receive that. Amen. Oh yes, yes, the angel. Because he. Okay, I got it. So he, he spoke of this angel over here. And I'm just being 100% transparent. I trust this person. And I, I didn't realize it until something else happened. But, and I believed him about 90%, right, that he saw that angel over there. And he said he's standing over there with his with the sword. He, he drew a sword up. And uh, I thought, well, okay, that's good. And said he stands all the way to the top. The ceiling there and the swords up. And I said, that's, that's good. Okay. Well, after service, another man came up to me. Never heard him make a squeak out of anything. Came up to him. He said, Alan. I said, yeah. He said, can I say something to you? I said, yeah. He said, when you mentioned that angel, I said, yeah. He said, I asked the Lord that I could see it. He said, I'll occasionally see angels. He said, I asked the Lord, Lord, let me see it. And he said, he let me see it. I said, well, that's good. He said, but you don't understand. He was over lifting his sword up. Oh, <laughs> He's li he was lifting his sword up. He said, it was like unusual. He's lifting his sword up. So I went from 90 to 100. <laughs> right? Uh, why? Right. Because I had a witness of the Spirit. Why did the, why did the other one happen? Because the Lord knew I was at a 90. He's like, that hard-headed Alan. I'll have to shoot him somebody else up there, I guess. So he gives me a witness. And so I went from 90 uh, to 100. 
These are two very uh, trustworthy men. And you say, well, Alan, how can you trust somebody that much? Uh, Rick Joyner and I, Rick was, is a friend of mine. And Rick, uh, years ago, about 20 years ago, we were doing a, this uh, event together. And uh, this person came up and said something kind of like that. And he said, yeah, okay. And I asked Rick, I said, well, Rick, how, how can, do you trust that 100%? He said, I trust it 100%. I said, well, how do you do that so quickly? He said, because I really trust that person. He said, Alan, here's how it works. He said, if you have anything in your heart against a person, you'll never trust them. And I got it. Did you get it? So he said, it's important that we keep our hearts clean towards each other. He said, and then we got to talk, and I said, uh, it was in our conversation. He said, have you ever noticed if you got a little something against somebody, somebody can come up and talk about that person, and you'll sit there and say, yeah, that's right. Or you'll automatically agree with them. Why do you automatically agree with them? It's because you got something in your heart. Instead of questioning it, yeah, yeah, that's right. Bless God, that's right. I know all about that. Well, if you got to give that kind of witness to agree with somebody, you weren't at the event, but all of a sudden you agree. It's because your heart's not clean. So as believers, and we sit here together, uh, did I trust the first person that brought that angel word to me? I did trust him. Uh, did I, I'm, I'm saying today 90%, I thought I was 100%. God gave me a witness, and I knew that would push me over the edge because I, I knew it. I, I, for some reason, I had more faith after the second one than I had with the first one. So ask me today if I think there's one over there. I'm not throwing no rocks over there. You go ahead if you want to. I mean, I'm not touching it. <laughs> but anyway, it's a witness of the Spirit. And to have a witness so that we can trust at those levels, it's important we don't have anything in our hearts against each other. Can you hear me? That's the reason the Lord's telling us if you got an alt against you, anything, go, go get the thing fixed. Straighten her out. Get your heart clean. And it's because we want our trust levels for each other to go up, right? When you say, well, Alan, this person just, just, they're not going, they won't let me make clean. I went to try to make it clean. Now I got another alt. <laughs> it's important, I believe, that we just follow the Holy Spirit. I believe to be aware of what I just said allows the Holy Spirit to work in all of our lives. I'm not saying you got to go to anybody, but I am saying that the Lord calls us to forgive each other. And there again, I heard James Robinson one time say, well, you need to, f to forgive each other. And he said, this person came up to him and said, well, listen, they did it on purpose. And James said, well, forgive them on purpose. And so there must be a type of forgiveness as believers we can walk in. And it's there. And there, there again, I have got, I'm guilty here. I've got a motive. And that motive is that our testimony has power and has witness and Jesus, as he was speaking to these churches, the reason of the speaking was to increase the power and the presence of Christ. Christ can be in this church, and what if he walked in right here and he says, now, New Life, you're doing a good job. 
I, I guess I got a couple of things to say to you that I got against you. Well, now, in all honesty, I welcome that. We welcome that. Because we're looking for a powerful witness of the Spirit of Jesus. And we're not talking about a fake and made up one. We're talking about a real one. That nobody could dispute that He is in our midst. And it's those of us is that we also need to be so careful with each other that uh, you can have, there's a lot of conversations. You can have a little something against somebody that goes here or is in this church or whatever. It's very easy to not trust somebody or whatever and have something in your heart. And uh, the Lord's going to say something to you. He said, I, you're hurting my presence. You need to deal with this thing. And as we deal with these things, we will f discover the power of Christ. It's not that we're not all guilty. That's not the issue. The issue is where you deal with it. That's the issue. There's nobody righteous in here. No, not one. But as the Holy Spirit brings things up to us, it's important, very important that we deal with it and stay true to the call, stay true to the path uh, that we're on. If we will stay true to the path here at this church, we are going to run head on into a stronger and stronger and stronger presence of Christ each time we get together. I believe that. Stay the course. Stay the course. Stay the course. Don't look at each other's faults. Pray for each other. You'll be surprised how easily you can get over it. Did you notice I said, you get over it? You say, well, it's another person's fault. But your reaction is what's closing the door in your life when Jesus is knocking. He's knocking. So these letters... Go to the church, the angel of the church. The word angel appears many times in the book outside these seven letters, and in every case it refers to a heavenly being. It suggests here that each church has a heavenly being responsible for guiding the human leadership of each church. I've had a, there again, I'm, I'm praying, and as I pray for this church, I'm praying that there are more angelic encounters. I pray for more prophetic dreams, but I also pray. One of the territories that's kind of un, uh, we haven't been in much is, and we're not worshiping angels here, but we're not supposed to be ignorant of them. And so uh, we got to understand that there are angels out there. I uh, I uh, spoke to Jeff Rowland, a friend of mine yesterday, a lot of you know Jeff, and uh, I spoke to him and uh I, I told him, I said, I had somebody tell me that uh, I had an angel going to bring revelation to, to me in my life. And Jeff's response was, well, I've never been called that. But anyway, so that if you know Jeff, you'll understand what I'm saying. This cannot be a man in leadership as the church's leadership is always a plural, elders, etc. If you, you go to this church, I encourage you to get a book out in the foyer. I've said it a hundred times. Who's in charge here? Uh, Trevor put it together as the Lord led him. But this is how we operate in this church and leadership. And if you'll see there, this cannot be a man in leadership. The letter came to the angel, the angel had it and gave it to the, and it says in the church, always is in plural, elders, pastor, 
a five-fold ministry. So what do we embrace here is, is a five-fold ministry. So why do sometimes even in preaching, you'll have Pastor Steve here, Trevor, myself. Uh, and, and, and the reason is, now, if you want to know who does all the hard grunt work behind the scenes, it's Pastor Steve. I mean, he does all the hard grunt work. And uh, to, to so, but yet we believe in a pluralistic uh, form of, of government here. Now, so we see, we can see this happens here uh, in the Hebrew. The letters are not addressed to a human leader, but to the angel of the church. Now, to me, that's very interesting. The angel of the church was responsible to help the human leaders of the church know the mind of the Lord. And that's all. Now, I cannot stand here and even pretend to approach any level of understanding on that. So therefore, I realize for me to get that, that is 100% spiritual and has nothing to do with human understanding. Can you accept that? I can't understand how that transaction takes place. The angel of the church was responsible to help the human leaders of the church know the mind of the Lord. I can't tell you how that, I haven't. My brain cannot even start in a sentence on how to explain that to you. And when that happens to me, then I understand the only way I can get that is in spirit. And I don't understand that. I just get it. For some reason, I get that. But honestly, I cannot explain to you why I get that because it's spiritually discerned. Are you with me? Now, as we approach this book, that happens a good bit. The brain won't process it. Brain won't process it. Has to be spiritually discerned. Remember that in he, the in the Hebrews we are told that the angels are in the book of Hebrews that they're ministering spirits. Remember that verse, sent forth uh, to serve the heirs of salvation. So not only does this church have an angel, if you can handle it. I mean, I'm somewhat persuaded we got it. What Grandma said is a guardian angel. I'm just pretty sure we got one and. In my prophetic dreams, I'll always have an angel. And uh, then I always took it that it was my guardian angel. I don't know. I'd carry on a conversation uh, with that angel. Therefore, there are angels assigned to each church to help the leaders and congregation know what is on the heart of the Lord. So to me, it's important for us as leaders and the con and the ever who comes here to me, it's important that we understand that there's an angel that brings influence to this church, and the only way you can get it's through the spirit. In other words, you can come in there and say, "Well, if they just sing this song," or now, now they right here is what they need to be speaking on. Right and right here is, yeah, yeah. listen, we've all been guilty of that. We've all been guilty of it. Me, probably more than any. But, but the, the element we've got to remember is Jesus gave it to an angel, and the angel gave it to leaders and to the congregation. So what's really cool is as we're doing things in here, we've all got the witness of the Spirit, not the witness of a critical spirit. And I can tell people not to be critical. That's still not what I'm talking about. Uh, that's not what I'm talking about. I mean, we can always do things better. And I, I, do y'all kind of hear what I'm trying to say here? 
the, the, the way this trans spiritual transaction takes place is through the power of the Holy Spirit, even though an angel is the one that's carrying it. But it's still the power of the Holy Ghost. So a lot of the things we're hearing in the Holy Spirit is actually being delivered by an angel. And we're getting it in the Holy Spirit. Now, for some reason, it's important that we're all aware of that and that that is one way that this thing's working. It's important that we're aware of that. So we always have that as a component in our spiritual discernment. Because if you don't, you're just left up to your own wisdom. Don't be too impressed with wisdom. Did you know that this world has wisdom? The Scripture says it does. The world has wisdom. You have godly wisdom or worldly wisdom. Wisdom is, a, there again, Satan can't create his wisdom, but he'll duplicate. He'll change a word here. He'll change a word there. He'll put a tweak here, and, a, and he'll change it just a little, and then he'll call it. It has a feel of wisdom, but it's sensual. It's earthly, as the Bible says. It's not the wisdom of God. So we can't get too taken up just on wisdom. We've got to be able to be able to discern the knock that's at the door. And as the Lord, the Lord's got a knock. Other people have knocks as they knock on your doors. But I, as a prophetic word to you, I say. Get familiar, more familiar with the knock of the Lord. He says he stands at the door and he knocks. He's wanting in. He says it's a doorway. And be sure that we close all the doorways, the door of sin. I just had a vision right there. It's the same door. We need, okay. Hmm. We'll test that one. Um. Now, as we're going into these churches, there's actually what I call four main groups of sevens in the book of Revelation. I want to hit the, just a little bit, these four groups of sevens, uh, as you see here. The first one is the seven churches, and that's what we're actually going to do. We're not going to go through the book of Revelation, but we are going to do uh, through chapter 3. And in the first, uh, chapter 2 and 3, you get the seven uh, churches there, Ephesus, Smyrna, and Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, Laodicea. And uh, after that, the second set of sevens is uh, that of the seven seals, white horse, red horse, black horse, pale horse. Y'all have all heard of the four horsemen, right? Uh, the book of Revelation. Then five, you got martyrs, earthquake, and angels. It's what we call the second set of sevens. Now, when you're looking at this Bible, uh, the uh, uh, Apostle Paul said, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And a lot of people give a lot of different things to rightly dividing, but it also does mean if you'll prophetically, you can rightly divide this book. What that means is, okay, it's a big book, big segments. Look in there and see the divisions that God's put in his word. And as you start rightly dividing it and taking it apart a little bit, you start seeing the big picture. That, does that make sense? So the only thing we're doing is rightly dividing the book. I know different. there's different schools of thought on that verse, rightly dividing. I have no particular group or school of thought 
to use when I say that. I'm using it because it's a scriptural term. It's a scriptural understanding. And so we see here, so you got four groups of sevens, and it's easy to divide the book of Revelation in those. you got seven churches, you got seven seals. Then you get down to the seven trumpets. Now, this is very, very interesting. Then you get down to the seven vials of the wrath of God. When you get to the wrath of God, you don't have to wonder if it's from God. You'll say, yep, that one's God. Now, I'm going to show you a little trick here, if you will, not a trick, but I'm going to show you rightly uh, uh, looking into the Scripture what will help you when you read the book of Revelation. First thing is understand it's in four groups of sevens. What does the word seven mean? Complete. Yeah. Yes. Now, now watch this. Acts 2.16, But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, and it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams, and all my servants and all my handmaidens I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. I put the word pause, and I will show wonders in heaven above, signs in the earth beneath, blood, uh, fire, vapor, smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness, the moon and to blood before that great and notable day. Now, I put a pause there. You see my pause word? This is the prophecy of Joel. We are at the pause in the prophecy of Joel. This prophecy came forth. Up to the pause has happened and is taking place. After the pause, now we're in this time that uh, the Bible calls it, we're in the day of grace. We are an interim. We're parenthetical into the Bible, if you will. We were our secret, was not known beforehand, says in Ephesians 3. So we are living in a time, it's called the day of grace, where we're living in the parentheses, I call it. We're a parenthetical time. It's been going on for 2,000 years. Parenthetical means we're a parentheses. We've been put. God just had, things were just trucking right along, and God just said, stop this prophecy right here. I'm going to stick in something, call it my church. Didn't nobody know about it. It's a mystery. It was a secret. He said, I will be their God. In other words, God's treating us. Abraham was the first Hebrew. Are you with me? How did God deal with mankind before Abraham? He just was God, and here was a bunch of people. So what happened in this day of grace is parentheses, is God's dealing with us today like he did pre-Abraham. He's just dealing with a bunch of people. It's the reason he sent his Holy Spirit that can abide in everybody because God says, hey, I want a one-on-one -on -one conversation with this creation. That's the way it was pre-Abraham. Anybody wanted to listen to him? And then God said, well, I shoot. Anybody listen to me? I'm just going to create a people and give them my words and let them take it. And we see they... Didn't do a very good job. They, I guess they did the best they knew how. But nonetheless, we are in this time that God's speaking to individual people. Very important. Very important. I, I've told you all I had a dream, and I'll hit it again. You've heard it before. But I had a dream, and in the dream, I was called up into, up into heaven, and the angel of the Lord was there with me. And there was a stage. I said it's not long. There was a stage, a wooden stage, a ladder back chair there. I asked the angel, I said, is that where God sits? He says, yes. I said, where's God? He said, 
He's walking down among the con in this dream. There was just people everywhere. He said, "God's down here walking among His people." I said, "Okay." So I got on a bucket and I looked. Couldn't find God nowhere. Seemed like I dreamed it all night long. Never found God. I looked over the angel and I said, "I can't find Him." He looked at me and said, "You're not ready yet." That was his answer. I'll not go into the revelation, but it, it was later. I was standing at the church and I was speaking. Years and years later. And all of a sudden, as I was standing there, just kind of like I got that little blink of the, of the courts there, I, I was just standing there, and I got more than a blink. I was preaching, and all of a sudden, I thought I had to space out for 10 minutes. I asked after it was over, how long was I silent? And he said, well, you kind of like you lost your place, but that's about it. I said, well, I did lose my place. Because I had this vision, and it opened up. And in that, as I was preaching, what got me was I could see the people, but I could see God in the people. I got, I'm like, wow, they're there. And all of a sudden, wham, there it is. The, the answer to my dream of 10 years before, the reason I wasn't ready yet is because I couldn't see God in His people. God wasn't on the throne. He was in His people in heaven. Now, I'm not saying God's not going to sit on His throne. Don't go there. I am saying we've got to have the revelation and the impartation to see God in each other. Come on, y'all. We can see our downfalls. You do that through your normal, natural nature. Don't think that's spiritual. That is not spiritual. That means you're just paying attention to that more than you are you got to make a decision. Does this person have God in him, yes or no? Well, if the answer is yes, it's up to you to find him. He's there. It's up to us to call the Lord out of each other. Well, I want to call sin out of you. Ah, yeah, whoa, whoa, that's a Holy Ghost job. we got enough to do just trying to call the Lord out of each other. Perhaps the Holy Ghost can do what the Holy Ghost does, which is convicts us of sin. Could it be we could love each other until we were convicted of sin? Go figure. But nonetheless, when what happens with the churches, they got off of the understanding. And the goal, the goal in new life is for us to see the Lord in each other. We're going to come together. We're collectively looking for God to pour out and to share testimony, to create history. God wants to create a spiritual history in all of us. Please, please understand that. A Christian history in all of us. And that Christian history is your weapon of warfare, that testimony against today and the days to come. The testimonies, now listen to me. The testimonies are accumulative. They carry a cumulative weight. One crisis is one crisis, but you can have an accumulative weight to speak before that crisis. Are, are you with me? Now, the Lord wants us to learn Scripture by memory, but he also wants us to remember our testimony by memory. I can just feel in my spirit 
that God will do something. It'll be a testimony. We just kind of throw it on the ground after that. And boy, God, that's wonderful. And that was today. Tomorrow's the next day. And I just kind of walk all of this, all these testimonies that God's given me over my whole life. And I just kind of walk. I don't even count them as nothing. They're on the floor and paper, and I walk over them. And then I run into another crisis, and I remember God. Yeah, I, I have a memory that God did do something in my life. The Lord's wanting more than that. As we get into these seven churches in the book of Revelation, it's more than that. We've got to remember and write down these testimonies that we might bring them forth in the day of need. Amen? That's the introduction. Okay. I hope you receive something here today. As we move forward, not only that, as we go into this worship service, I pray that you will remember everyone that's in our worship team. We've got a lot of sickness, everybody in families. This day that we're living in, I, you know, used to have the cold and flu every here, here and there. We've we've got uh, all kinds of viruses out here now that they got names that I don't think you can pronounce or want to. But there's, these viruses have called in some first cousins from somewhere out of the pit of hell, I think. And there's a lot of sickness, a lot of uh, things going on, respiratory, just to knock the wind out of people. And um, so remember our worship team up here, a lot of them are under uh, attack and have been for the last week uh, because leading up today, because we're going to worship God today. Amen. If you would stand with me and, and we'll get started here. And, and, uh, and we love you, Lord. Thank you for this day, O oh God. Please be with us, O oh God, as we worship you. Lord Jesus, I pray that in my teaching this morning, I pray that it'll, it'll bring a revelation to your people. I pray that we will leave from here an empowered people to be in your presence, to carry the kingdom message of the gospel of the kingdom of our Lord. Be with us as we go into worship, oh God. Be with us as we go into worship. Be with us, oh God, that we might worship you this morning like we never have before. Right now, oh God, we pray, forgive us of our sin for an unclean heart, unclean thoughts. Forgive us, oh God. Cleanse us right now, oh God. Cleanse every one of us right now, oh God, that we might worship you this morning in spirit and truth. And that our, we ask you, Holy Spirit, Lord God, to visit us this morning in our worship. Join with us, O God. Fill our bones, fill our hearts, fill our lungs with true worship. I pray for worship like they have around the throne of heaven to be in this place today. Let it happen, O God. And the people of God said, Amen and Amen.